Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, It's a phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Today's guest, Mordechai ben Avraham, is seeking the truth, and he found that motivation and the key to God's path through the Torah. He left Hollywood, the Kabbalah Center, U.S. politics for a life in Meisharim, Israel. Mordechai, welcome. Didn't you work for Warner Music? Yeah, I did work for Warner Music from 2008 to like 2011 and then like I got more like into like film and television stuff and I became like too like snobby for music there's like a class system in uh, Hollywood it used to be like film television movie but now it's like music movie and then television music movie then television you feel like television's at the top because it's, it's different it's a different cash flow model for like the producer the way that the deal is done is different. You know, like for a movie, it's like, okay, you do a movie, you know, maybe you make some money from the transaction itself, from investor to, to product or whatever. But after that, it's like the movie has to be shot. The movie has to be acquired. It has to be distributed, it has to be marketed, all these different things. So then like the deal, it's, it's, a, it's a whole separate deal in a way. But in television, it's like you, you do a television show, boom, boom, it's out on the network. So the money is like right now, it's like it's coming through. As with the movie money may come, but it may come at a much later time. And that didn't appeal to you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was okay. I mean, but I'm just saying like, it was just cooler. Like television was just cooler. It was just like more money and like the studio system in Hollywood like totally broke down. Like I watched it like go from like an active like system where like people are making films and it was just meaning that like there was like a studio system and they would do so many films a year and some films they would do in-house, some films they would do like independent contractors, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. That was a business. And then they, and then they transferred to like the studios were just kind of like, well, we're only going to do blockbuster films and we're going to live it, leave it to the independent space to produce films and the ones that we like will acquire. So that was like, a, it was a big transformation of like how the industry like functioned. So whatever, I'm just saying, like, I saw a lot of, like, media transformations. Like, I think, like, you know, in the future, like, they'll talk about, like, you know, this generation. And we saw it go from brick and mortar media to, like, social media. And I was like, I want to talk a little bit about that, though, because what's interesting is I was in L.A., like, right before that happened. So I worked in L.A. from 2003 till about 2007. That was, like, right when, like, Napster, like, happened. And then I moved to Silicon Valley and I lived in Northern California after LA for three years. And then I moved back to the Midwest. So now I'm in Chicago. You're like a wave rider. You, you ride the wave. In some ways. But what's interesting is I do believe that your past plays into your present. And I want to know yeah. how you're using those talents yeah. from your past and not giving up those talents and incorporating them into what you're doing now. Every, like, talent that, like, you know, Hashem gives us, every gift that he gives us, like, I was with my wife this uh, week's Parsha, 
there's a verse where Yosef Asadik says, he says, like, you know, it's, it's like a discussion. He, like, tells the brothers, you know, like, hey, I know you guys sold me for money and blah, 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 this whole thing. And Yosef says, don't worry about the fact that you sold me, you know, for X amount of money. Hashem sent me ahead of you to be like a shliach, to be like a messenger. I came before you so I could settle the land to sustain you and also also prepare you for this great redemption, right? And so, like, the idea around it is that there's there's two parts. There's one idea that, like, Yosef Asadik, he was kind of like the transformation between the Avos, Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, and B'nai Israel. Like, he was, the, he was the intermediary character. And so this character didn't have a direct connection with Hashem like the Avos did. And he didn't have a relationship in the same way that even Moshe did. The point is just saying that, like, when you think about Yosef Asadik, you think about this idea that he was able to transfer, like, how he saw reality, like, how reality existed. Like, he had this difficult situation, and you know what? He had his brothers did this terrible thing to him, but he re- he processed the whole situation from the standpoint of saying that, like, you know what? Hashem, even though you did this negative thing to me, Hashem used you as a vehicle so that you guys did what you did, and that ultimately sent me here ahead of you. And I was supposed to settle the land here for to sustain you and prepare you for this great redemption, right? So he looked at reality and he like transferred how he could have saw it in a negative way. And he saw it, everything as a building way. And I'm saying from there, we can learn out two points. One, we should see everything from the aspect of like, you know what? Hashem is doing this, right? I'm experiencing this in life. Hashem is doing this. But then there's another level past that in saying that this experience that I'm having is for sure from God, but it's also connected to the final redemption for all of humanity. I hear you talking about Yosef Hasadik a lot on your Instagram. You said it was your favorite Midrash. Yeah, the Midrash you're talking about. Yeah, that was was a... Where he revisits the pit. Yeah, when we talk about like right now, like I'm in Jerusalem, and so like we're at like the final night of of Hanukkah. The idea around Hanukkah is this idea of saying that like you know there's going to be times in life where it's totally dark and it doesn't seem like Hashem is connected, and I should know that I'm totally connected, right? There's going to be moments in my life where it seems like Hashem is not there, nothing is making any sense. But I need to know in those moments, as well as the moments when I have total clarity, in those moments, I have to know that Hashem is there with me. Like Hashem is with me at the moments, even when someone looking at the story on the outside would be like, wow, this is a really bad situation. How are you going to succeed? It doesn't look good for you, you know, blah, blah, blah. In those moments, I need to be able to say like, hey, you know what? I'm going to succeed. So where do I build that strength? Hanukkah. Hanukkah builds that strength. Inside. It's like literally a spiritual technology that it's like, it literally, it's all about the idea of this light being revealed from a place of like darkness. It's and that's what you're place. writing your book about, right? Yeah, my book is kind of like a little bit like a sample of it, but the book is basically just like this idea of, you know, taking quantum physics, for example, is saying that like the human eye sees like less than 1% of reality. And this 1% of reality, you know, makes up what I see physically. But there's a whole 99% of reality, which is all energy happening around it. 
And so what I do is I take that scientific understanding of that there's a concept of what my physical eye connects to, and then there's a whole experience around that. And I take that and I parallel that to many ideas in Judaism, you know, one of which is it's like there's a soul and a body, the body I can see, but the soul is also something that exists inside of the body and I can't see it. So I say the body's a 1% reality and the soul is a 99% reality, you know, connected to the idea of Kedusha, Arupnius, Shefa, you know, all these different types of ideas of like this connection to God that's connected to a physical entity that has no physicality to it. That sounds like like it's going back to your Kabbalah roots. I mean, I don't know about Kabbalah roots. I mean, I would say like people know, like if you Google my name, you know, Mordecai bin Abraham, you see like, you know, there's articles about, you know, my process of how I became Jewish. And then, you know, within that process, you will see like, you know, I was, you know, at the Kabbalah Center with like, you know, Madonna and Demi Moore and all these like really famous people. Were you hanging out with them? Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, like, I mean, like hanging out, like, I mean, I wasn't going to like bars, like in the night, but like, I'm saying when I was at the like Kabbalah Center and like, you know, different experiences, we were there together in the same location and conversed and those type of things. But it wasn't like I was a part of like the Hollywood crew. You weren't going to her birthday party. I was not invited to the birthday party, no. The point is, thank God, right? But the point is saying that, like, you know, these were people that I was around, like, people who I was, you know, having Shabbat with every week. And them being famous people kind of reaffirmed to me that, like, wait, like, if these people already made it in these industries that I'm looking at, and they're here looking for something more, what should I be paying more attention to? Should I be paying more attention to what they have accomplished or what they're trying to get to, right? Because what they're trying to get to is this place of like connection to energy, light, connection to Hashem. But their process of having the notoriety and the resources and, you know, being able to say that like, oh, wow, the whole reality that the world presents to me is like a false narrative. It says like, if I make this amount of money and I accomplish these these things that I'm going to be happy. A good portion of the world is living on that reality. If I do this, if I do that, if I do that, I'm going to be happy. And then you see people who actually did all those things and they're like, wait, I became successful. I made these things happen. I made a name for myself. I made money. I have resources, but I still want a higher connection. And then you're looking at it. You're like a 20 year old, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, whoa, like, Anyways, so the point is just saying, so like, yeah, it was part of my spiritual path to see a lot of very successful people looking for something more and growing up in an environment where there was a lot of resources available and a lot of materialism. And I was, you know, questioning what was more, just stumbled upon some wisdom that kind of like made me look at everything that I was taught prior and say like, hey, you know what, how does that really fit into the equation of more, which is ultimately connection to Hashem, connection to God. So I went through that whole process of like. What made you choose life. Judaism, though? I mean, you could have chosen another monotheistic religion. The, the thing is, and this is like an interesting idea. So, like, there's a famous Kabbalist. His name is Rabbi Yehuda Ashlag, the Basulam. Anyway, so he wrote like a bunch of commentaries on the Zohar or whatever. And so he wrote this whole thing around, like, I think that he titled it Shofar Mashiach, then Mashiach, whatever, Shofar Mashiach, Mashiach, Shofar, Shofar, which is, yeah, blowing the horn on Rosh Hashanah is a Shofar. And so, like, he talks about it in a messianic context. And so he was saying that in order for the 
for redemption, for humanity to happen, the world has to kind of like learn about the Torah and learn about the, the deep aspects of the Torah and these different concepts. And he said the reason why was because many of the different religions that existed in the world, like there's a belief within the Torah scholars, the generation of the Tanaim, the generation of the Sanhedrin, that there was a certain concealment that needed to happen of Jewish texts. And this concealment of Jewish texts was basically like saying like, okay, well, there's a concealment of Jewish texts because we don't want other nations to use the koach, the strength of Jewish texts for Avadazara, right? For idol worship, right? And, and, like, and that was a fear. So everything was concealed. Everything was like coded and written in a certain language, you know, to keep people away from it that would use the wisdom of the Torah for negative purposes. He says, but because of that, there were different people from different nations that took pages and aspects of wisdom from the Torah, and they created religions, spiritual systems, philosophical outlooks, and different things. From there, that's what they created. And a lot of those wisdoms and those concepts have, not only did they take wisdom from the Torah, but they even got to a point where they perceived that they really are almost in a way, the children of Israel, and they had this direct relationship with Hashem. And they took in this role of what the Jewish people are supposed to be. And so right now, so we have a world that's like upside down, right? We have a world that's like, you know, what looks like it's positive is really negative, And what's like actually positive is like being suppressed. And so the point is to saying that like, when we think about like the world itself, the only way that the world can really kind of like uplift itself, become what it's supposed to be, when it realized that the information that they have is only an aspect of the Torah and the true depth of the Torah exists and the Jewish people have this true depth of the Torah. And then from there, the, the other nations will understand like, okay, wait, hey, we want to go to a higher level. So, hey, you know what? We're going to connect to this higher wisdom because the wisdom that we have is only a byproduct of this wisdom that comes from this source, but this source is now revealed to me that there's even a higher level. From that place, like that's the role that we're supposed to make in the world as Jews. It's like we're supposed to show the world that there's a higher reality than what they've been shown and that there's more to life, there's more fulfillment, there's more happiness in the world than what they have connected to. And our job as Jews is to be able to help like become like stewards or stewardess of this kind of like vehicle like to connect to God. Can you take me through that happening for you? Yeah. This is the thing. So like, I, I'm not like endorsing the Kabbalah Center and I'm not endorsing- Because that wouldn't other. be allowed, right? Well, but I'm just saying this in general, I'm, I'm not doing that because it's just saying, I'm just saying my personal story. Right. Right. And so like, this is my personal experience. There's two major factors. One major factor was there was this kind of like collective like suffering that existed in the world. Amongst all different people, nations, the whole thing, that there was a collective suffering. That existed. So there was a collective pain in the world. And being okay with accepting that reality. There's like people who are like in a lot of pain that exist in the world. Okay, so the question is, what do you do about it? The teacher at the Kabbalah Center at the time I was there, Rabbi Berg, his philosophy, and you gotta realize, I'm just coming off the streets. The whole thing is just a random thing, but 
you know, I came up the streets and then saw Robert Burke, he was just kind of like, okay, hey, there's a collective pain in the world. And so God understood that this would exist for a certain amount of time. And so he gave the Torah to humanity to be able to, you know, understand the process of this reality that they're living in. That the ups and downs are all from Hashem. That there's ways to renew yourself. There's ways to forgive yourself. There's ways to recreate yourself. You know, these types of things. And so... What was your suffering now? What were you going through? This is what I'm saying. But the the point is, it wasn't so much that it was about my suffering. It was the fact that accepting that suffering was existing in the world. Right? Because I could have went to a therapist and the therapist could have made me feel my suffering. Right? Like, there's a lot of things that could make me feel that, you know, my people and my thing and these different things. But the, the connection was is that there was a collective suffering amongst different types of people around the world. Feeling that, knowing that that was true and connecting to an ideology that supported that understanding, right? But that's one part. But the second part was, and I think this is how we all, this is how like we, you know, like how you know about me, this is my process of becoming Jewish, is that there was a certain set of gifts that God gave to, you know, the Jewish people to fix that suffering that existed in the world. And that's what the Torah is. That's what the 600, 613 mitzvot, that's what that whole concept is. It's this idea that I can transform myself, one, and then two, have that inside of God willing, like a marriage within a family and then in a broader community and in the world. But the point is the same that like, the technology to first change myself exists within inside of the mitzvot of the Torah and the requirements of Torah because I have to constantly change myself to adapt to, I'm not talking about like culturalism where it's like, okay, I have to do this and I have to do that. I'm saying, no, I'm saying seeing the, the Jewish system as a mechanism to transform one's nature. And so when it came to that, then you have to look at all the other religions and then you're just like, okay, so what is your objective? Because the true objective of tefillah, of the sudur that we have every day, the davening that we have, this is all connecting to different aspects of our soul, different aspects of the reality that we live into and connecting our will to both, the will of our soul, the will of the reality around us. Because they're both of the same essence. So through tefillah, we're able to do that. And then Hashem gives us all these other mitzvot that we should do, you know, as well. So all these things are there to transform ourselves, but ultimately we're transforming the reality around us. We're the only ones that have this. That's our responsibility to kind of like be examples of this one within ourselves, to be complete, to be balanced, to be healthy, these types of things. From there, be able to be an example to the world, like how the base of Midrash was, you know, was supposed to be an example to the world of what they could achieve by being connected to the God of Israel. What got you to buy in? <laughs> like, I remember like years ago, like when I was like back in Los Angeles, I was like dating. I went on a date with this girl a few times, whatever. And we came from different backgrounds. We're both like, she was black, I was black, whatever. But the point is the same, like we came from different backgrounds. And so she came from this background where they like went to boarding schools and it was like boom, 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 this whole thing. And for me, I grew up in a background where we were just kind of like philosophizing, trying to figure it out. Like we're in Los Angeles, you know, from the Midwest. Growing up, it was just about like who could go bigger, who could go bigger, who could come up with the best idea, who could come up with the best concept. 
you know, and who could go bigger? That's just how we grew up, right? This, what was the next level? Really, the root of that desire was like fulfillment. You know, like if I said like, oh, I want to make $10 billion, right? Okay, and, the, and I list off all the benefits of what that $10 billion would give to me whether it's security, whether it's ability to manifest or power, whatever adjective you use, those adjectives are not physical. You know what I mean? They're energies. It's not like you can hold power in your hand, you know, but it's, a, it's an energy that can be, you know, influenced by a person. And all these different connections that a person really desires, the root of it is energy. And that energy that they want is ultimately connected to the shame. So it's like, they really just want to connect to show them everything. Like, so the most ambitious thought that you could have is just really a process to connect to a show. Yeah, it was just about the ultimate connection in life. Everybody I want to know, like, how your views have changed from how you were raised. Sometimes you, like, you see those, like, puppets, right? And the puppets, you know, there's, like, every part of their body has a string connected to it, right? Their legs, the the arms, the whole thing, it kind of goes up and down based off of whatever the puppeteer, the, the, the master, you know, has for it, right? So the thing is, when you're Jewish, you know, every part of your body is like connected to this higher reality. You know, from that place, it's kind of like you're just not operating in the same reality as a person who doesn't have that accountability, that every single thing that they do, every single thing that they connect to is connected to a higher reality. You know, before, even a person who's not Jewish could be very spiritual and like fear God and be a good person. But it's not until you have that responsibility given to you. Like until you, you say like, you have to do this. This is your existence. This is why you're alive. Like until you have that responsibility, it's kind of like, yeah, it's nice. You know, it's like you're, you're doing, you're positive. You know, but I'm saying, but when you have that responsibility to operate and use your body in a certain way and use your mind in a certain way and all these things, it's like, to answer your question, I would just say like that sense of responsibility that I have for every aspect of myself now versus before is probably the biggest difference in my lifestyle. Have your parents continued along a similar path? Are they considering converting? Like, what do they think of your choices? You know, the thing is, is like, with Judaism different than, you know, other like monotheistic faiths, there's no coercion to people converting. Like, that's not like a thing. Like, we're like, we're not like, you have to be like us, you know, in order to succeed. You know, that's not our message. Our message is be a good person, you know, at least follow these basic laws of, of the Torah, the Doachite laws, and you're good. Being Jewish is a responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Like some people are born into it and they're just like, all right, well, fine. You know, this is like my, my grandparents did this, whatever. It's like, no, it's like, for whatever reason, your soul could have came back as anything on planet Earth. And Hashem said that your soul coming back as a Jew is important for your correction. You came back into this body, into this lifetime, so thing. And so this is what you have to do. You have to do the Jewish life. This is part of your soul's correction. You know, with my parents, it's like, there's no reason for them, per se, to become, you know, Jewish. You know, it's like, it's, it's easier for them, you know, like them being not Jewish. I don't know, someone could say, oh, that someone made their full potential. You know, who knows? But the reason why I became Jewish is because it was 
a responsibility. You know what I mean? It was a responsibility to want to be a part of the correction of the world. They want to be a part of what's good in the world. To be able to take negativity and turn it into positivity. To be close to a show at the highest levels. But you, but you said to- that your parents could just live by the Noahide laws. You could have just lived by the Noahide laws too. The Noahide laws, you know, they're, they're very, you know, it's very good again. But I'm saying that Noahide laws is basically following in the path of what's good, like being a blessing to your environment and not a curse. So a person follows those laws, they're, they're decent, right? Keeping the 613 laws of the Torah is about achieving an internal level of excellence that can only be manifested through the Torah itself. Like only through the path of God can you reveal these different capacities. When did you start experiencing parts of Judaism where you're like, I need more of this, or this is next level? Judaism is like a good starting point, but it's really about the Torah. And it goes down to the idea that I have a soul and I have a body. And so the way that I nourish my body and the way I feed my body, you know, I could sleep, I could exercise, I could do yoga, I could do all types of stuff. But how do I nourish my soul? So the 613 mitzvot were ways that through action, I could connect to God directly. I could do these things and plug my soul in to this higher reality. Maybe afterwards and have coffee and have something, bagel or you know, whatever, you know, type of a thing. So like the point is saying that once I realized that there was a spiritual technology, like when you see people in Hollywood, for example, right? You see people in Hollywood and they're like so successful, like they made so much money, their faces everywhere. Every dream that they had as a teenager or, you know, young adult, whatever, you know, came true. And now they're suicidal. How could that happen? What's going on? What's the problem? Spotlight's not on them anymore. <laughs> no, I'm talking about with the spotlight on you. I'm not talking about the spotlight. Oh, on and you. they're still like that. Yeah, hmm. I'm saying there's a lot of people who like died, OD'd on this. You know, Mac Miller, Amy Winehouse, all types of people. And so the thing is, is saying that like you can do all the things to serve your body consciousness and serve your ego, but the reality is, until you fill your soul. Nothing that you do on a physical level is ever going to suffice you because there's a whole nother aspect of your existence that needs to be filled. There's a whole 99% of who you are that needs to be filled. And so from that space, you know, you have to figure out a way that how, to, how to deal with that issue. How do I fill my soul? And so that's the technology of the tour. The tour is there to fill the soul and to elevate the physical. But how does saying words that you might not even understand the definition of help you connect yeah. on a soul level? There's like a whole study, you know, on this concept of the alphabet, which is the Hebrew letters. And it shows like how these different letters were created and these different lever- letters were expressing different types of energies that existed in creation. So when you're reading something in the Torah with the Hebrew letter, you're not just reading like, you know, something in like a different language. Like, you know, I'm talking about biblical Torah. And, and I'm saying these letters are literally combination of energies that express words. So even though you have a word and it may say, you know, Bereshit, or Bereshit, right? Beginning, whatever. That word still represents the energy as well. And that energy that it represents is the energy that your soul is connecting to when you say that word. 
So when you say Hebrew words that are from the Torah, you are saying a word, but you're also connecting to an energy. And so that energy that you receive, you can receive it, and you can also receive it to be a channel to the world, right? To your family, to the world, right? You could be a channel for that too. So the thing is, so the letters, they, these are, this is all like spiritual technology. It's not, in the same way there's codes that open up, create apps, there's codes using Hebrew letters that make up a combination of letters or words, and those combinations allow you to tap into healing. You could download healing. You know, you could download prosperity. You could download fertility. You can download, you know, removal of trauma. You could download. Have you, you know, experienced any of this though? Yeah, like I mean, like this way, like if you're keeping Shabbat and you're focused and you're and you're growing throughout the week, you're not the same person you were the week before. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not the same. Like that person who starts a new week, you know, is not the same person that existed the week before or the week before that, or the week before that, or the week before that. So the person that I was, you know, I converted in 2013. It's like the person that I was prior to that to now, come on, like this didn't happen overnight. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that conversion? When rabbis push people away from Judaism, they're doing them a favor because it's like, it's such a humongous undertaking. Like, it's like, it's so huge, like converting and just like, like just so much about yourself changes. And you're like, well, how could doing this and doing that lead to like my whole existence changing the way I see the life, the way I see the world? Like even things like small, like I joke about it, but like like before like I converted, like I used to only drink Sprite. But since I converted, I only drink, you know, Coca-Cola. Like it's the thing, I can't deal with Sprite. I can't deal with it, you know? Like I'm just saying like, it's, but that's like such a minuscule thing. But I'm just saying that like, was it a gradual process, though? Like, how did you start keeping kosher? No, like, I, I mean, like I said, I started the Kabbalah Center, like, probably, like, almost eight years before I, I converted. I mean, I started the process of converting. So, like, I was already, like, adapted to, like, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, I'm saying one of the big concepts, like, if you think about Judaism versus other religions, the Jewish calendar starts and is based around you know, the idea of when the Jewish people left Mitzrayim. Hashem gives Moshe Rabbeinu the commandment to bless the new moon, Rosh Kodesh. Right now we're in Rosh Kodesh. And um, so that's what it was. That's the calendar system starts from there. So when you think about other religions who came later, they had different calendars. And so you sit back and you think about it and you're like, whoa, like, boy, this is like crazy because the calendar is so important because the calendar basically determines when there's certain spiritual opportunities throughout a year, you know, meaning that like there may be a certain light that's available on a, on a time that we call it Rosh Hashanah. There may be a certain light on this place called Yom Kippur. There's a light that's on Simchat Torah, whatever. So by us knowing, having this calendar in this system, from this system, then we could be able to determine when those lights are available so we could take advantage of that. That is the Jewish calendar. That's the Hebrew calendar. It's based off of this matrix. When did you start keeping Shabbos? I mean, I started keeping it after I, I converted. But before that, I was like, you know, knowing about Shabbos for like several years. Yeah, I've actually known many people that have become observant from the Kabbalah Center. A lot of people. A lot of people, they get sick of it. You know, people go to Kabbalah Center and it's like, oh my God, I can't stand it. They keep charging me all this money. I'm just going to go. 
I'm just going to go and be Jewish now. I'm, I'm sick of this. Didn't your mother work for the Kabbalah Center? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in uh, their uh, teacher uh, education department. I mean, my mom's a professor. Yeah, tell me about that, too. I'm curious to know about that. You know, when we were younger at the Kabbalah Center, she actually worked for the center, you know, directly. And now she's, you know, professor in teacher education and, you know, types of stuff like this. Does she work at a university? Yeah, University of uh, Southern California. Oh, nice. What about you? So I know now you have a BA in Talmudic law. I didn't even know that was an option at Orsameach. Is that a new thing? You know, the thing is, it's like when I uh, was staying there, that was like the main like idea, you know, like I mean, bachelor's in Talmudic law. But I'm saying like with like COVID, I mean, it's like I haven't really like talked to them as much as I should, you know, like I don't, you know, whatever. But yeah, they do have a, a BA in the Talmudic law. It's a great place. I was there for like almost like five years. If a person takes a risk with their life and they say, hey, you know what? I really want to learn Torah. It's, it's, a mo- it's really important to me. But I have this job. I have this whole thing and blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm afraid that, you know, I'm going to lose it. You know, this whole thing. And I would say to that person, I'd say, you know what? At the end of the day, we already know what the story is at the job. You know, now if you have family and kids, that's another thing. I'm not talking about that person. That guy who's like sitting there and trying to figure that out, he can sit back and he can say, hey, you know what? Say over the next three years, I make two million bucks. That's doing extremely well. Like that's doing very well. Like two million bucks cash is like extremely well. If you're doing more than that, wow, you made it big. You made a bunch of money, right? But the thing is like this, money itself, extremely overrated. Like money is like this. It's like, like, I don't know if there's a particular food that you like. So I'm just saying, imagine you had that in abundance. You would eventually be like, oh, I'm so bored with this. I don't like it anymore. I used to like it. That's what money is. Money is just like, okay, fine. I, I bought this car. Wow. Okay, I bought this house. Wow. I threw this party. Wow. I spent 30 grand on this party tonight. You know, you always. But that's to easy it. to say for somebody who doesn't struggle with money. Yeah, but the point is that that's my point. And so the point is just saying that the person who's struggling with money needs to realize that the most exciting part about life is the struggle and trying to figure it out. That's the most exciting point. That's the point where you just like, once you have the money, you're just like, all right, so what do I want to do now? I'm worth $100 million, right? I'm worth $100 million. Fine. $15 million, $20 million cash in my bank. I could do anything I want to do right now. What do I do? You know? And so I'm saying, so that place that's not where it's at. The place is, is building and creating and changing and having to learn new things. And so if the ultimate goal is to discover ourselves and to be a part of this process of the Mashiach revealing himself or whatever, if, if that's our ultimate goal, then that means that like we could stay in that, that part of life for eternity. As long as we're alive, we can always have that active part. But if your focus is money, you can get money. I mean, it's not a thing. Like most I say to my money. dad all the time, I'm like, were we created just to make as much money as possible? Is that why God put us here? I doubt it. Even on more like interpersonal level, like, I mean, I hear you on that concept, like on a quantum context, but it's like, but I'm, I'm holding by like, you know what, if I was an artist and God said, okay, here's a life, what do you want to make of it? You know, I'm going to give you the the paint brushes that you have to work with, the colors you have to work with, the textures. I'm going to give you all these things, but you can still decide what it looks like. 
like I just saw a poster of a friend of mine that I went to school with, and he's like VP at this big, you know, media company. Whatever it's like, it's like companies they just want to work people to their bones. Right now, like out of everything that I did when I was younger, like if I was doing deals like that or similar deals like that, like is that really art? You know what I mean? Like this is be like real. Like I'm saying, like I don't have to leave with anything in my pocket to feel accomplished. So that's a great transition because I wanted to ask you about something else. I know you're really passionate about dispelling misinformation in the black community. Would you say that that's part of the action that you're taking now? For example, I don't think like the Torah has been like, you know, represented, you know, correctly, you know, in the non-Jewish community as a whole, but specifically I'm saying it, you know, to black people. I feel like there are a lot of black people that are out there that are, you know, connected to like lost tribes and have ancestry that are that is Jewish. And I feel like those individuals, you know, given the right opportunities, would gravitate to like a Torah lifestyle. If that's what Hashem wanted or not, but you know what I'm saying? If that's what Hashem wanted, that's what's going to happen. Communicating more Judaism to the Black community would dispel a lot of the misinformation that they have gotten or received by enemies of the Jewish people. You know, the guy who's living you know, in the predominantly black community and he wants to improve his life and he's looking for more information than what he's been presented to. Everything is to bring Mashiach. How can I bring Mashiach? If you advertise your show, how does this bring Mashiach? How am I using this ad space to create an impact on the end user that they're going to think about God in Ahava Israel or whatever the concept is you're pushing at this moment? And they're going to they're gonna be inspired to think this way. And if we get so many people to do it, that could be the tipping point of brachot in the world or inspiration in the world that is going to bring Mashiach. That's the revolution. Everybody is Mashiach. I love that. Thank you. All right. So we'll be in touch. I'm going to sign out. May you have an amazing Hanukkah. Your family should be blessed. And you should experience uh, miracles beyond imagination. Amen. Beyond imagination. Right back to you. I love that. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. How are we using this show to bring the Mashiach? It's elevating the Torah for the world. You have to be Jewish to accept the Torah, or everyone in the world, all different civilizations and peoples throughout the globe, should they be accepting the Torah as the energy to get closer to God? The answer is a resounding yes. What did you think about him uh, leaving Hollywood? I think that he mentioned something that's very interesting, is that look how many successful actors and actresses, they're out there acting a part. It's not necessarily them, but some type of fictitious world that we would live in. And as you know, gearing more towards a meta universe where we can participate in a world as robots or a video game, because... So many of us want to escape sometimes our own reality and find some type of higher network or or be a higher being and to be a more perfect being. And we're trying to escape in our imagination all the time. What's interesting is that the Torah gives you that energy to ascertain levels to get closer to God is the way to achieve that wisdom, that development, that energy is really through God's words that he's given to us. Then the other answer is, should the Torah just be taken 
100% literally, or as you know, in our own faith, that we have people that have studied the Torah and come up with different keys of what it all really means in projecting not only our lives now, but in the future. And by showing that the world can come together by doing mitzvahs and following God's rules and laws, that we can elevate ourselves to a higher level and a higher energy connection with God. And if the world can do that, then there is going to be a, a, a coming of Mashiach to blend the entire world to this next level. And unfortunately, it's not easy to ascertain this overnight. Part of, at least as you know from uh, the legacy of our own family and the Jewish family that has been brought up for thousands of years, that it's so important to educate future generations because the timetable of thinking that it can happen within our lifetime of 50 or 75 or 100 years or 120 years is only a small drop in the bucket of what needs to be accomplished. And it takes maybe thousands of years to mature the human to the point where we can be elevated to this next level. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Hold up. 